1: Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening to Killer Queens. Or KQ if you're nasty. Welcome to the show where two 90s-loving country chicks gab about true crime and tell each other to talk to the hand because the face ain't listening. I'm Torella. And I'm Tori. And we're sisters who have always loved true crime and decided to turn that obsession into a show with a light take on the topic. Kind of like diet true crime, it's all the flavor of fewer calories. Mm. Now with our show, you'll get true crime, 90s nostalgia, and a few four-letter words sprinkled in because I always say that Polly Pockets and true crime go together like peas and carrots. Be sure to check out our case submission form on our website at killerqueenspodcast.com and follow us on social media and YouTube. Now grab your Sunny D, your Gushers, and your Ty Beanie Baby, and let's get into the episode. This episode contains discussions about racism, missing persons, suspected murder, Police abuse of power. Listener discretion is advised. In January of 2004, 27-year-old Terrence Williams disappeared in the early morning hours. His mother soon found out that he was last seen getting into the back of a police cruiser in Naples, Florida. The deputy reported that he had dropped Terrence off at a nearby gas station. It wasn't long before Terrence's mother found out that her son wasn't the last young man seen in the police car belonging to the same deputy, Stephen Calkins. Three months prior, 23-year-old Felipe Santos disappeared after getting into Calkins' service vehicle following a minor car accident. Calkins said that he also dropped Felipe off at a nearby gas station. There was no video footage and no witnesses to corroborate Calkins' story. Neither man has been seen since. Was this just a coincidence? And was Calkins just the unluckiest man in the entire world? Or, more likely, was Calkins responsible for the disappearances and likely murders of Terrence and Felipe? Okay, you guys. Welcome to Killer Queens. If you've never been here before, we want to give you just a little info about how the show is set up and what it's meant to accomplish. If you have been here before, then welcome back. You can just hit that teensy handy little skip button if you want to. So, we have a message to friends and family of the victims. We know that there may be someone involved in the case who might listen one day. And we want you to know that our intention is to only bring awareness to this case. And while we do use personal stories in some instances and our own humor in order to tell the story in a way that our listeners can relate, we have the utmost respect for victims and their families. We created Killer Queens to be a place where we can have open discussions about cases, just like you would with friends. We're not investigators, we use information that is available to the public, such as documentaries, case files, and media coverage. Using this information, we intend to tell the story of what happened in each case that we cover. Now, will you agree with our interpretations or conclusions of each case? Heck no. But we approach cases from different perspectives, life experiences, and beliefs that we already have in place, and sometimes these differences are slight, but some can be wide enough to cause a divide and upset some of those listening. We do our best to present the facts as we find them in our research, and we do bring our own perspectives to the case. We understand that you will too, and we want you to know that this is a safe space to discuss differences and opinions in a symbolized manner. Our style may not be your personal preference, and if that's the case, we know you will be able to find one out there out of the many shows to tell the story the way you prefer to hear it. We can all be grown-ups about it if you can. Now, if we are your cup of tea and you want even more KQ, you can join our Patreon and get access to our entire catalog of episodes ad free and access to bonus episodes too. And I'm going to give you like a little pro tip. If you're an ad skipper, but you like coupons, okay, scroll down in the show notes. We always link all of our sponsors for the week. So every single week you can scroll down. That way you don't miss the deals, but you maybe you don't listen to the ads. You didn't hear that from us. You didn't hear that from us. We'll deny it if you ever say it was us that told you. <laughs> All right. So should we, first and foremost, thank Madison for writing this up? A hundred thousand yeah, percent. I think that we should do that. Hey, girl, Bay. Yes. Thank you so much. And mm-hmm. thank you so much to um, doing this after lunch. So we're going to mess up a whole bunch, of it. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Thank you to lunchtime. Um, yeah. Thanks to lunch. And um, thanks to whoever it is that recommended or requested this case. Uh, it was somebody in the Facebook group, but somehow we couldn't find the post again. So we're so sorry we don't have your name, but thank yes. you. And I guess the last person that we need to thank is Hillary for taking us back to the beginning. Parents, Dion Williams was born on January 17th, 1976, in Chattanooga, Tennessee. eh? eh? Woohoo, woohoo! It's um, you know how everybody like gets really excited here when you play wagon wheel, and it's oh yeah, Johnson City, Tennessee. We're like, yeah. So Chattanooga. That's well. And I thought you here. went woohoo, woohoo, because you were being the Chattanooga choo-choo. Oh, of course I was. No, I yeah. wasn't. That would have been intentional. Good. Yeah. Um. Obviously, we're from Tennessee, so we're, like, overly excited about this for no reason. Um. <laughs> his mother, Marcia Williams, had Terrence when she was 17, and she said in an interview that she felt like she grew up with her son, that they grew up together, and they became best friends, and Terrence and Marcia did absolutely everything together. It's a really sweet relationship. At 17 in 1993, Terrence had a child with his girlfriend, Eventually, he ended up fathering four children, and he was really young at this time. You know, he had some maturing left to do still. He wasn't always able to make child support payments for his kids, but he did love them very much. And in fact, at the time of his disappearance, Marcia said that Terrence was doing his absolute best to get his life together, get it back on the right track so he could have all of his children together with him in Florida. So in 2001, Marcia moved from Chattanooga to Naples, Florida. And Terrence, who was 25 at the time, you know, like we said, he and his mom were super duper close. They did everything together. He didn't want to live in a state that she didn't live in. Mm-mm. Like he wanted to follow her, which is just like. So sweet. The sweetest. Yeah. Um, so, so he, he moved. Yeah. He moved down to Naples too. He got a job as a cook at a local pizza hut in Bonita Springs and was working to save money. Marcia started working at PNC Bank, where she and Terrence met a man named Jason Gonzalez. Terrence and Jason hit it off immediately. So they moved in together pretty quickly. They were roommates. And Marcia even referred to Jason as her second son. So these are people that spend a lot of time together and know each other's habits. Mm -hmm. Uh, Terrence and Jason would often go out together. They'd talk to girls. They'd make new friends. And Jason said that he and Terrence were basically opposites, that Terrence was like really quiet and easygoing, and he got along with everyone, and Jason was kind of that more like outgoing, could talk to more people like on the fly, like that kind of thing. But from all accounts, he was a super, super nice guy. On Sunday, January 11th, 2004, Terrence, he was 27 at the time, wanted Jason to come to him with a, uh-huh, mm-hmm. not come to him, come with him to go to a party. Yep, that's the one. Yeah. Um, so the party was going to be with several friends of Terrence's from Pizza Hut, but Jason couldn't go. He had his kids that weekend and he did not want to go out when he had his kids. So Terrence left that night in his white 1983 Cadillac and his rule, or maybe their rule for each other, but Mm -hmm. Jason had said that Terrence said, if you don't see me for one or two days, don't worry. But on the third day, if you don't hear from me, you don't see me go look in. Yeah, which like I get because if you're like, you know, I'm a grown up. I'm 27 and you're my roommate, you're not my mom or dad, you know, like yeah. I'm not necessarily going to text you or call you, I guess in 2004, more likely call and be like, "Hey man, not coming home tonight or whatever. Just want to, yeah. you know, keep you updated. I'm going to sleep over somewhere or whatever." Like he doesn't want to have to do that. The I don't know, thing that sucks about it is of course you never think anything's going to happen. Yeah. But now you're two days behind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when Jason woke up the next morning on Monday, the 12th, he found out that he had several missed calls from Terrence and he tried to call him back, but he couldn't get in touch with him. Marcia was also growing concerned as the day went on. The last time she'd seen her son had been the day before when she picked him up from work or for work and took him home. And she told Terrence that she needed some gas money and he gave her some and he told her, I'll see you later, mama. That like really got me. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like just knowing mm-hmm. what we know. Yeah. yeah, I'll see you later, mama. Like how many times do, do you say that to somebody, you know? Mm-hmm. Like anybody, you leave the house, tell Miss KB, see you later. Like yep. you just never think that that like, see you later is the last time you're going to see somebody. Ugh. I know, it's so sad. I feel like I really no. see, this is morbid. I was going to say, maybe I need to change up what I say when I leave because typically I'll say, I'll be balked. <laughs> I'll say I'll be back and he's like that's not the way you say it and I was like I'll be back. <laughs> but if that's the last thing he ever hears me say, you know. Yeah. So what would I you mean. change it to? Um. Bye bitch. I don't okay. know. I have I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm going to think. No, it's just so sad. It. it is sad. And you don't think that the last, you know, that would be the last thing. Like mm-hmm. he wasn't thinking and she wasn't either. No right. Could have known. So Terrence usually called his mom often, more than once a day, and when she still hadn't heard from him and couldn't reach him, she knew something was wrong. Jason contacted Marcia and told her that he thought something might be wrong, and finally Marcia went to the Collier County Sheriff's Department to report her son missing, and guess what they said? We believe you, and we will go look for him. We trust you implicitly. Mm Mm-hmm. No, the fuck they did not. No, exactly, right? That's the end of the story. No, they didn't. They said, guess what? He's 27 years old, he's an adult, and he can do whatever he wants. How many times have we heard that? Mm -hmm. But Marcia was not deterred. So she, Jason, and the rest of Terrence's friends and family began calling everyone they knew when they were looking for any sign of Terrence. Jason called every hospital nearby. He contacted all police offices and surrounding areas, but nobody knew where Terrence was. Marcia's family called the local tow companies and they were looking for his vehicle. And luckily, one company had towed a 1983 white Cadillac in the early morning hours of January 12th. They towed the seemingly abandoned vehicle from the Naples Memorial Gardens Cemetery. So Marcia quickly goes over to the cemetery to speak to the staff who'd been working when Terrence's vehicle was towed. The workers told Marcia that they saw a Collier County Sheriff's deputy put Terrence in the backseat of his patrol car and then he drove away. And they recalled, thank God in heaven, I they know. I know, thank God they remembered that the guy, uh, the sheriff's uh, the sheriff deputies. Tag said Stephen Calkins. So Marcia, who was absolutely not here to fuck around, Mm -mm. called a notary public and had her meet her at the cemetery. And they had the workers give sworn affidavits that were notarized explaining what they'd seen that night. This is fucking genius. Mm -hmm. But I want to just really point out the fact that she's doing the police work herself. Yes, this is not her job but she is absolutely doing it. And she's like, I'm not going down there and just asking fucking questions. You will have this shit notarized. Mm -hmm. And I will bring that to the police. I know.
0: I mean, affidavits.
1: I mean, good, good on her. I know. Like, that's like something I'm filing away. Like, oh, I'll be carrying a notary public with me everywhere from now on. Totally. Yes. Okay, guys. So lately I've decided my top hobbies are health, fitness, and muscles. That's it. And no more true crime. Yep. Just HFM, health, fitness, muscles all day long. Yeah, okay, just kidding, obviously. But seriously, I could stand to be a little more healthy. And what better way to do that than with Everly Wealth? Their at-home lab tests and vitamins and supplements can help you get the knowledge and support you need so you can become a healthier you. Everly Well is digital healthcare designed for you, all at an affordable and transparent price. With over 30 at-home lab tests, you'll be able to choose the test that makes the most sense for you to get the answers you need, like the women's health test or food sensitivity test. Everly Well also has high-quality vitamins and supplements to support your overall health. Choose from a variety of options, including vitamin D3 and omega-3 fish oil. And here's how it works. You get your Everly Oil products shipped to you with everything you need in one cute little adorable package. Hmm. To take your at-home lab test, all you do is simply collect your sample and use the included prepaid shipping label to mail your test back to a certified lab. It's so easy, even I could do it. Mm -hmm. And your physician-reviewed results get sent to your phone or device in just days. And you can share the results with your primary care physician to help guide the next steps. If you ordered vitamins and supplements, you can start adding them to your daily routine right away. It's so simple, over 1 million people have trusted Everly Well to support their health and wellness goals. And we think you should too. The test was super easy. Easier than figuring out Stephen Calkins is sus AF. Mm Mm-hmm. Am I in my 20s now? Uh Did I do it? You did it. I did it. I took mine right when I woke up, put that little sweetie in the mailbox and got my results back so quickly. Ooh, I love that. And for listeners of the show, Everly Well is offering a special discount of 20% off an at-home lab test at everlywell.com slash queens. That's everlywell.com slash queens for 20% off your next at-home lab test. Everly Well, E-V-E-R-L-Y-W-E-L-L dot com slash queens. So Marcia headed back to the Collier County Sheriff's Department with the affidavits to show them that her son was last seen with one of their deputies. Now January 16th, and still no sign of Terrence. Marcia was adamant that Terrence was in trouble. In a recorded phone call, a dispatcher called Deputy Calkins to ask him about the encounter. Who do you who do you want to be, girl? I will be Calkins. Oh, okay. I'm. I feel surprised about that. Okay. Okay. All right, so I'll be dispatch. Um beep, 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 bring, bring. I hate to bother you at home on your day off, but this woman's been bothering us all day. You towed a car from Vanderbilt in a hundred. Do you remember that? Uh no. Do you remember? She said it was near the cemetery. Cemetery? So he completely denies having a vehicle towed from the area. He remembers none of this. And this is a couple days later. Mm-hmm. It's not 17 years later, which we'll get into. This is a couple days later. So they're like, you know, because the people at the cemetery say, well, they saw you put somebody in the back of your car. And she's like, did you arrest anybody? He's like, no, I don't. I didn't arrest anybody. I haven't arrested anybody in a long time. And she's like, oh, okay, well, yeah. I mean, I don't have a record of you arresting anybody. And the dispatcher told him that the vehicle was towed at 1227 a.m. And he's like, well, uh you know, I'm at home. Of course, it's my day off. Let I'll me have to get, go through my notes. Yeah, let me get back to you when I go through my handwritten notes and see what I what I have. In my little handy dandy notebook here. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the, then the dispatcher says, uh, "Well, somebody's at the cemetery telling the mother that you picked up the driver and he's been missing since Monday." Oh, for Pete's sake! Language, Calkins. I know that's my first note. Language. <laughs> What's Pete got to do with this? Yeah, let's leave Pete out of this. But exactly, I really don't like, I mean, the fact that, I don't know, the dispatcher is like, she's been bothering us. Yes. Now, I guess if this is something that you deal with all the time, I don't know. I My philosophy everywhere that I've ever worked where I've had to answer phones, and I would tell this when I would train new people, like when I worked in plastic surgery— When I would have somebody that I'm training or just anybody that, you know, worked for me, you would tell them, you would say, if somebody asks you an annoying question, cuss their asses out. That's exactly what I told them. Thank you. Yeah, You just saved me, saved my breath there. (laughs) Um, I'm like, look, you're going to get the same question a hundred times. You're going to have a patient who's getting ready for surgery. And maybe we've answered this question even to them before. This might be the 50th time you've heard that question today it's the first time they're having surgery. Okay. Even if it's not the first time they're having surgery, they're stressed out They're you know, they're wrapping their head around this. Like, yeah, Yeah. this is something we do all the time. You know, it's very routine to us. It's not routine to our patients. So remember that when you answer a question and especially like when somebody is getting a lot of information, yeah, maybe they asked you this question and maybe they forgot that that, you know, like you're not going to remember everything. And I think, I mean, that's a great way to train someone who has to deal with the public in any capacity but this to me is even more fucking frustrating because this woman Marcia mm-hmm. salt of the earth beautiful angel of a mother mm-hmm. is looking for her son that she can't locate you can't be, have a little exactly. bit of compassion exactly like if if we are to have compassion for people who are having elective surgeries which deserve compassion why can't we like I don't know. I I get that as a dispatcher, there's a lot that you have to like, you've got to compartmentalize and like all these things. Like I totally get that. But you can still have compassion for somebody. And I mean, obviously, and I get that she's got a working relationship with Deputy Calkins and she trusts him. She's Mm -hmm. not known him to lie in the past or anything like that. But we're already putting the, this woman's just up my ass and Mm -hmm. her... Son is probably doing some shit he wasn't supposed to be doing anyway, and she'll find him. And like, you know, and, and again, I also get that most missing person cases resolve themselves on their own. Like, I I get that, especially adult ones. But like, but sometimes they don't. Again, compassion. It because again, this is something that you deal with all the time. You get a bunch of missing person calls all the time, but this mother. She's not had to do this before. And she's racking her brain. And she's devastated because she cannot find her son. And I understand, too, that the majority of the time, a call like this that they're having with each other probably wouldn't come out. Mm -hmm. But now Marcia has heard it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, have have some compassion. That's all I'm and, and it's just very striking that he just has absolutely no recollection of this. And this happened, but— Oh, but wait! Four days later, he has no recollection. Keep going, because uh-huh. I'm itching to get there. Yeah. So, Marcia talks with a detective at the sheriff's office who assures her Calkins would not have had done anything nefarious— Just absolutely not. It's not in his nature. He was a 16-year veteran of the Collier County Sheriff's Department, and his personnel file had all these, like, accolades and great recommendations from the public and his coworkers and other superiors. Like, on paper, he was an amazing deputy, and they didn't have any reason to doubt him. And it definitely seemed like his coworkers were just taking his word for it. He doesn't know anything about this disappearance. If he says he didn't pull anybody over, he didn't pull anybody over. He would tell me if he remembered, right? Right. After speaking with Calkins, the dispatcher called Pam Williams, Marcia's sister. I'm not sure why she calls Marcia's sister, but that's just who she calls back. And she tells Pam, okay, look, we talked to the deputy about that night, um, the night that his uh, Terrence's vehicle was towed. And he says he didn't pick Terrence up. And there's no record of him picking Terrence up. We would have an arrest record. And Pam is like, excuse me, but we have people saying that they saw him put Terrence in the back of his car. And she's like, "Uh uh-huh. And he's saying he didn't. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so Pam handles it very graciously and says, okay, thank you very much for your help. And she's like, you're welcome. And gets off the phone. I would have been such a frigid bitch. I'm sure, <laughs> like my blood was kind of boiling. Yeah, to it, um, you know. But their position was: Calkins says it didn't happen, so it didn't happen, right? Marcia and the rest of her family started posting pictures and missing per- missing persons posters around the city and surrounding areas, begging anybody to come forward with information about Terrence. Which, what would it do? Because we've got sworn affidavits from people in the police department is Still like, don't what? Care. Didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. Despite the initial belief that the sheriff's department didn't believe that Calkins was involved, the department did launch an internal investigation into Deputy Calkins. I'm shocked by this. I'm very shocked by this. His superiors— No, I'm more shocked. Why, why are you trying to one-up me? Tori? I was shocked first. I am the most shocked. Oh. I was thinking before you even said it. I was <sighs> shocked before you were even born. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, I guess what else you were before I was even born? Ugly. Oh, didn't see that coming, did you? Are you I'm, shocked now? Still shocked because remember, I was already shocked. <laughs> oh my God. God. Okay, fine. You win. You're the most shocked. Keep going. <laughs> um, so his superiors asked him to write an incident report to read aloud to internal affairs. All right, you guys, listen, 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 listen. listen. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're not ready for this. Oh God, window open scale. <gasps> mm. Wrecking ball. Miley yep. Cyrus, wrecking ball that shit. hmm This is one where you want to leave the windows closed. You want to feel the, the glass break. Bring in the Cyrus. Yes, exactly. Um, okay, because remember, just four days after the incident happened, well, or did it, you know, uh, no. um, he has no recollection of this. Don't remember this at all. Now, we've launched an internal investigation because Marcia and... Terrence's family are uh, doing the work of investigators and now we're doing this internal affairs thing. And he's like, wait a minute. Um, okay. Here, here, here is my report on January 12th, 2004 around 12 15 AM while on patrol calkin says he noticed an older model white Cadillac driving southbound on County road, nine Oh one. This is a lot of, um, Details. A lot Detail. of detailed information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For a couple days ago, you had no recollection of it. Um. Anyway, the vehicle appeared to be having problems, so he motioned. He doesn't turn his lights on or anything. He motions for the driver to pull over. So the Cadillac's driver pulled into the parking lot of the cemetery, and Calkins yells out to ask the driver, hey, are you having trouble with your vehicle? And the driver says, yeah, it. I am. It's not running right. Um. He says, I just bought this car, and it's not running right. Now I'm going to be late for work could you please give me a ride to work? And Calkins is like, well, I can call you a cab. And he's like, man, I can't afford that. Could you please just drive me to my work? I I can't, you know, my job is close. It's at the Circle K right down the road. It's on Williams Pass Road, and I'm scared I'm going to lose my job. I can't afford that. Can you please just drive me there? And he's like, you know what? Yes, I will drive you there. I am a stand-up man. hmm hmm you, you can't afford a cab. I got you. Mm-hmm. So he opens the rear door of his cruiser. He tells the driver to get in. So Calkin says he drives him up to the Circle K. He drops him off on the south side of the building. That's important. hmm He told the driver, listen, you better make plans to get your vehicle moved right away or it's going to get towed. And also... Hey, I just want to let you know your tag's expired. So you, you'll want to get that fixed too. Just if his tag was expired, he would have pulled him over, but okay. Mm-hmm. The driver told Calkins that the receipt and proper registration for the car were in his glove box in the catalog. Why would he tell them that now? No idea. That that's something they would have checked on scene, right? But now he's at Circle K and he's like, Oh, by the way, if you want to go back to the car, you can dig through my shit too. Right. Yeah, I bet he said that. So Sergeant Mike Koval, I think, asked mm-hmm. Calkins, why did you not arrest or cite the driver? He had multiple violations. He was driving with a suspended license. He had an unregistered vehicle. And he had expired tags. And his tags are expired. And he didn't he didn't give him a ticket or arrest him for any of these things. And he could have even taken him to jail. Mm-hmm. It's not like he could have just written him a warning or a ticket or whatever. He could have, he could have actually taken him to jail for this. So Calkins is like, hey man, I, I never planned to arrest him. I wasn't gonna cite him or anything. I was just trying to help him. Like I saw a car that was having problems driving. And so what I my initial thoughts were, I'm just helping a driver with a disabled vehicle. And he's like, yeah, but why would you not have arrested him? Like, okay, maybe you thought his car was just having trouble before, but you know his tags are expired. Why didn't you at least give him a ticket for that? Mm -hmm. Why didn't you check his registration there? Why didn't you ask him for a license and then figure out, oh, it's suspended? Exactly. He's like, uh, he just seemed like a really nice guy from what I can remember. And he also says he he had no idea what the driver's name was. This was just a, a person he didn't know. And I mean, the guy asks, do you often, when people are committing, you know, infractions in front of you, do you often let them go because they seem like a nice guy? Like, you you won't write tickets or arrest anybody who's a nice guy? That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I would probably be that kind of cop, to be honest. I would be a terrible cop. Oh, I would, me too. Because well. so I'd be like, well, they... Were- they were just so nice and they're having a really hard day. And um, I liked her top. So I was like, forget it. Let's just call, let's call, you know, let's call it quits. I'm not, I'm not going to, plus it's a lot of paperwork and I don't yeah, really like need so. to. And they, he probably right. wouldn't do it again. Yeah, exactly. It's all good. But Calkins doesn't seem like this type of person. To no. be honest with you. I now, I think he's got a record, um, like a reputation for every time he pulls over a nice guy, he lets them go. Oh, fuck no. Yep. On February 11th, 2004, in a sworn statement, Calkin said that he had decided to stop back at the Cadillac after he dropped this person off at the Circle K. And he checked the glove box and he found that the documents that the driver had told him would be there were not there at this point. So then, get this, you guys. (laughs) Then he calls the Circle K. And he asks for Terrence. Which, I don't know how he magically came up with this name. Right, because we've got no documentation inside the car, and this person never told him his name, right? hmm He calls back and asks for Terrence, but the person that works at the Circle K says, I don't know anybody by that name. There's not a Terrence that works here. Curiouser and curiouser. Yeah, and Calkin says, and at that point, I felt like I'd been lied to. <laughs> but again... If he's going to check for license and registration, you do that at the time that you are interacting with the— when the person is still with the vehicle. Yeah, absolutely. You don't go drop them off somewhere. And then be like, well, wait a second. Let me Now let me go back and see if this is, you know, a stolen vehicle or what. Well, and if we're going to call a spade a spade here, which I think we should, um, Calkins is doing nothing but lying. But I love how he's spinning the story now to be like, well— I'll be damned if he didn't lie to me. Yeah, that's rude. He lied to me. I can't believe that. (laughs) So, Internal Affairs found a call that Deputy Calkins had placed to dispatch around the same time that Calkins said he had dropped Terrence off at the Circle K. This call is the um, spokesperson for the Sheriff's Department calls it (laughs) unprofessional. Hmm. It's vile. Mm Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And he says, I got a homie's Cadillac on the side of the road here. Signal 11, signal 52, nobody around. I'm at the cemetery at the corner of Vanderbilt and 111th. And dispatch is like, oh, yeah, you be doing some praying, been praying to the Heavenly Father. And he says, maybe he's out there in the cemetery. He'll come back and his car will be towed. Uh, the call comes back to nothing. It's a big old white piece of junk Cadillac. I'm towing it. You tow it, baby. Give me the VIN number. And then he gives the VIN number. And then he says, it's going to come back to one of the brothers in Fort Myers. Why? And I, we did that not in the same... I don't even know the right way to say it. Um, yeah, they used... The dialect. The, yeah. Um, they seemed to be intentionally... One of the, oh, who was it? And there's a there's a show on Paramount Plus called Never Seen Again. Mm-hmm. And it's actually great. And Tyler Perry has, um, I don't know if he's in all of them because I only watched just the two. Right, because he's directly involved in this case. Yes. And he narrates these two episodes. He's got just a great narrator voice. Oh yeah, he does. But somebody in this said, this is the... The vocal equivalent of wearing blackface. Yes, it was the civil rights... uh, What was his name? Ben Crump, the... Yes, yes. yes. The attorney. Yes. Yes. It's awful. And... Or the audio equivalent or something like that. Yeah. um, They're obviously mocking people of color. And it's... It's heinous. If this call comes out, why are you allowed to still be a police officer? Mm -hmm. You cannot protect and serve your community if this is how you are going to refer to people in your community. Right. You have a a racial bias. Yes. At the very least. Yes. I mean, it's awful. And they're like laughing and joking. And the dispatcher, um, I don't know how to say his last name. Dave Dave. Jollicure? Yeah. Yeah. He said later. Who gives a shit if we get his name wrong? Yeah, that's true. He later said that he and Calkins were um, basically like quoting a movie from, or the movie was called Sudden Impact. I've never seen it. And it was kind of like an inside joke and they were just going back and forth. And like, it really wasn't like, they would do this all the time. It wasn't particular to this case, right? It was just all the time they did. So, okay. Just one thing real quick. You saying that it it is something that you guys just do all the time and it's not that big of a big deal doesn't help matters? Yeah, that, that actually makes it worse. Makes it a lot worse. Sure does. So, um, I don't... Be better than that. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Well, hang on, hang on. He said it was poor judgment. Hmm. So there you have it. Okay. Yeah. I guess that absolves him of any... Exactly. Yeah. Whoops. <laughs> it's really horrific. And again, I don't understand how you can keep a job when there's this type of bias, Mm -mm. that prevalent, because if he's saying they did it all the time, then you're going to hear this and worse on other phone calls. 100%. And I don't know if we got the call in its entirety. I don't know if, if Calkins is the one that started it. But what we're going to discuss is two individuals that are people of color that have been missing under Calkins. I don't know, I can't take care. Um, Under his supervision? I don't know. What does this call specifically tell us? Right. There's some racism at hand here. Mm-hmm. Which cannot go hand in hand with a public servant position. Not really. No, I feel like he's digging his own grave mm-hmm. with all of, you know, he's, he's not doing himself any favors, Mm-mm. but just you go ahead now. Cause I don't, I well, don't know where I'm going with that. I'm just saying what a piece of shit human being. And I've got my feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. And also like we always talk about this with Like, just people who end up in jail, perpetrators and stuff like that, where they will say shit on a recorded line that's, like, very obvious. Like, why would you say something like that on a recorded line? Like, when you make a call from jail, it's fucking recorded. You know that. (laughs) He knows this shit's recorded. He's a police officer. Yeah. He doesn't care. Mm -mm. He's above the law. Mm -hmm. Nobody's going to say shit to him. Well, and I think it's very, very obvious from the, I don't know, the way that he carries himself, the things that we have heard in these two calls, the transcripts from the two calls, he is has a very, very inflated ego and sense of power, and he's wielding that. Mm-hmm. And it's disgusting. Yeah. I mean, it really is. It is. Um, I know that. That's why I said that. Yeah, but it is. Mm-hmm. So then, 30 minutes later... Calkins calls dispatch back. Now, remember, we're getting this information because it happened. Yeah, we have um, proof. We have receipts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He doesn't mention any of this in his written. No, first he had no idea about any of it. Then they do this internal investigation, and I guess he just thought he'd write an incident report and they'd believe it. Mm-hmm. And he he said in his in his incident report that he told Terrence whose name he didn't know, Mm -hmm. that he was going to, or he, Terrence needed to get his car situation figured out. Yeah. (sighs) Then he calls dispatch. It comes out that he calls dispatch to tell them that he's going to tow the car. Yes. So then he calls back and he says, hey, I need you guys to run a search on Terrence Leon Williams. Mm -hmm. I think it's Dion. Oh, sorry, Dion, excuse me. I think, you know, I can't remember. I think it is Dion yep. now that you're saying it. Yeah, it's yeah. Dion. I'm so sorry. On Terrence Dion Williams with a fake birthday that Terrence had supposedly used before when he'd been in trouble. So how would he have known that birthday if he didn't actually speak to Terrence? I mean, oh, how is know, any of this happening? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he said that he was alone when he called and gave this information to dispatch, but a lot of people don't believe this. Again, unless he's Miss Cleo, how is he getting this information? Exactly. How did he know this? Calkins later told investigators that he only knew Terrence's first name, but we have a record of him calling with a full name. Mm -hmm. In the sworn statement, Calkins said that he checked the vehicle, called the wrecker, now thinking that it could have been stolen or abandoned since he couldn't find the paperwork. So a signal 11 and signal 52 indicate an abandoned vehicle, though we know that Terrence was driving the vehicle when he approached him, or at least that's what he says. Mm -hmm. When asked if Calkins suspected that Terrence may have been intoxicated, Calkins said he didn't smell any alcohol. And then he goes on Mm -mm. to describe Terrence as a clean. He kept saying clean. He was just very clean, a clean, very clean cut. Um, Obviously, except for his long dreadlocks because that's is that unclean what is the importance of saying how clean he is like that to me I <sighs> microaggression can you even call it a micro it's it feels like I'm yes like a macro aggression well, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean it, like, it feels very much like to him he's He's talking about somebody that is beneath him, mm-hmm. but this guy is almost normal. Worthy to him. of yeah. yeah, and he's he's actually really really polite, really nice, mm-hmm. he's clean. And he's actually clean. For The glaring disgustingness of the dreads, obviously, right? right? Yeah. But yeah, uh, I'm. It's it's just disgusting. I'm ashamed to be the same species as him. Like he's he garbage. Yeah. And Tyler Perry also said, too, like, you know, in addition to the just disgustingness of all the implications of why he's going on and on, and on about how clean he is, mm-hmm. he also is like, how close did you get to him? Mm-hmm. How do you know how clean he is? Because you said you weren't, you know, from your account, you just gave him a ride in the back of your car. You You wouldn't have been touching him. Mm-hmm. He's getting in and out of the vehicle. I mean, he's not he's not handcuffing him or anything. Right. So, yeah. Why do you know that? And Marcia is like, look, I mean, obviously none of this shit makes sense. Why would he have called to tow a vehicle when he had supposedly just driven the owner to his job at Circle K? Why would you have it towed immediately? He said that he told him when he dropped him off, hey, you need to make sure that you make arrangements to get that vehicle out of there. So why would he then immediately tow it? And then she's like, furthermore, Terrence never would have asked for a ride from a police officer. He was still dealing with issues with the law based on his failure to pay child support. And she's like... There's just absolutely no way, no possible way that Terrence is going to get into the back of a police cruiser willingly. And guess what? I don't blame him. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> There's a, yeah. If exactly, if, if this happened the way that it happened, which it didn't, but if it did, this is a perfect example of why I don't blame him. Mm-hmm. Because where's Terrence? Exactly. What happened to him? You or I would not have the same fear No, to get into the the back of a police car. If I was broken down on the side of the road and a police car showed up behind me, I would be like, oh, thank God. Right. And we recognize that we have that privilege. Mm -hmm. Terrence does not. And he has every reason not to trust Mm -hmm. law enforcement. Yeah. And look what happened. So... Calkins tells investigators that he had used. You know, they're like, "Well, what, what phone would you have used to call the Circle K?" And again, why would you call the Circle K? That's fucking stupid. But okay, what, what phone did you use? And he's like, "Oh, well, I used my Nextel, which is the agency issued phone call or phone he would have." And they're like, "Interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Cool, 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 cool. Um, Actually, so we uh, we checked your phone records, dude. It's almost as if Calkins." it's forgetting how police work works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, again, I, I think he's so positive that when they, they're just going to take his word for it. Okay, Lamar or Lavar Burton. Like, I nobody's going to take your word for it. No. And they're like, there's no record of that phone call. Like, there's just not. Well, they even asked him. I don't know if it was, it wasn't like it was giving him an out, but they were like, no, just to be clear, like, is this, is this your personal phone or is this the agency phone? Yeah, maybe you got the phone wrong. And he's like, nope, I used the agency one. He's like, okay, well, great. We've already checked that one and there's no mm-hmm. record of that call. So he says after the Cadillac was towed, he went back to the Circle K. <laughs> and they're like, why are you so obsessed with the fucking Circle K? Yeah, why would you do that? Why would you go back there? Once you have the thing towed, you're done with it, right? There's no reason to go back. He's like, um, well, I uh I believe I wanted to try to talk to Terrence. I believe. Uh-huh. Why would you want to talk to him? And he says, you said he didn't do anything wrong. At least nothing wrong that you planned to either cite him or arrest him for, right? You said the whole time he was cooperative, he was polite, and he was so clean, I was not going to arrest him and I was not going to give him a citation. So why come back and talk to him? Exactly. And Coggins is like, well, I just, I don't, I mean, I don't know why. I can't remember, but I just, I just wanted to. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. And then he's like, I mean, I'd have to, I don't know, I'd have to, I'd have to think about it. And he's like, okay, let me give you a few minutes to think about it. He's like, no, I don't remember. (laughs) You don't have to give me any minutes. I don't, I don't remember. He's like, no, I'll give you some time. If you want to think about it, you can, nope, I don't remember. I don't remember. And this is, this might be the only time that I'm like, give him a lie detector test. Because mm-hmm. he took three years, but give him a lie detector test. And guess what? He took three. How many did he fail? Um, You've taken three lie detector tests and you crashed them all. You failed them all. Mm-hmm. Yep. All three. Meanwhile, Marcia and Terrence's stepfather were doing everything they could to bring attention to their son's disappearance. They had given interviews, posted missing persons posters everywhere. Um, They stood in front of the Circle K holding signs They even filed a complaint with the sheriff's department, and, I mean, obviously, rightfully so. Calkin's response to Marcia and her family's efforts was exactly what you would think it would be. He said, get this, guys. If you're driving, pull over. The audacity. Yeah, I don't want you to drive your car off the side of the road because of this. He said, well, The family talked to everybody except me about the situation, and now I'm kind of pissed. I mean, I don't understand why they didn't just come to me right off the bat. And guess what this tells him? He says, quote, this tells me they've done this stuff before. They're too quick to attack, too quick to accuse. Okay, that's actually something that's verifiable, sir. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't happened before. You know what else is verifiable? all the shit that you just lied about. Mm -hmm. And guess what people do, a lot of people uh, do when they're caught in a lie? They deflect. Mm -hmm. They say, "Uh, well, you're actually the problem. I knew you were going to act this way. Exactly. I mean, have you ever gone up to a a cheating um, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever? And been like, are you cheating on me? And they're like, um, no, but I cannot believe you would accuse me of that. And also it kind of feels like you're cheating on me. Exactly. Guilty conscience. hmm In March of 2004, feeling helpless, Marcia wrote a letter to the Naples Daily newspaper explaining what had happened and asking for answers. Soon after, she received a call from the Mexican consulate. And she was hope she was like, oh my gosh, okay. Maybe they're going to be like, we found your son. You know, he's in Mexico or something like she was just like... She's clinging for to hope. Like, she's hoping that anybody, any moment of the day... 100%. She's going to get the call. Um, but instead, she was told something that made her stomach sink. Terrence wasn't the first young man to go missing in the Naples area after having an encounter with police. Three months before Terrence disappeared, 23-year-old Felipe Santos disappeared after a minor car accident. But you guys... He was last seen getting into the backseat of a police cruiser. Not any police cruiser. The police cruiser belonging to Deputy Stephen Culkins. <sighs> Felipe Santos was born on January 1st, 1979 in Oaxaca, Mexico. He was the second of five brothers, the oldest being Jorge, then Felipe, then Salvador. He came to the United States in 2000 as an undocumented immigrant, hoping to build a better life. His younger brother, Sal, followed Felipe and Jorge to the States. They lived in a small town just an hour from Naples called Immokalee. Sure. No, I know that's how it's oh. pronounced. I was trying. It was like, don't get it wrong. Don't get it wrong. And I remembered this because of the episode on Friends where it's Immokalee. Oh. A chocolate alternative. Oh. <laughs> I feel very sure. I love your enthusiasm here. I like that you're drawing on your past experiences for this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to get a DM that says it's actually pronounced Immokalee. Immokalee. Imokali. I'm just going, based off of the episodes that we watched, I, that's what they called it. Immokalee. Oh, did they? Yes. Well, that makes more sense. Why would you say something that doesn't have to do anything with anything? With anything. Shut up. Just shut up. I was... I heard it correctly. Okay. And then I was like, how am I going to remember this? And it's kind of like Idaho potatoes, boys, he cute. I needed something <laughs> like that. So I was like, mocklet, a mockly, mocklet. Got it. There you go. Well, we're if- moving on because I don't even want to deal with you right now. Oh. Yeah. How does that feel? Okay. So Amacoli is one of the nation's largest migrant communities, and there were a lot of resources there to help these immigrants. Felipe was a very hard worker, and part of the reason he came to the United States was to earn money to send back to his family in Oaxaca, Um, in particular his girlfriend Apollonia, and his baby girl Brittany. And shortly after arriving in the U.S., Felipe and his brothers got jobs in masonry and construction. On Wednesday, October 1st, 2003, Felipe and his brothers piled into his white 1988 Ford to head to work in Naples around 6.30 p.m. So unfortunately, Felipe hit another vehicle while he was driving near the Green Tree Shopping Center. The accident was super minor. Nobody got hurt. wasn't that bad. But... Um, Sal said that the, they asked the woman who was driving the other vehicle not to call the police, that they would happily pay her for the damage. And, you know, none of the men were legal citizens and Felipe who'd been driving, he didn't have a driver's license, but this woman was extremely angry. And she already, she told the men that she had already called the police. That sucks. I don't know how, if this is, well, I mean, I guess people had cell phones in the year 2000, but still, or 2003, excuse me. true that's true. I mean, that's, they're not, they're few and far between back then, you know? Yeah. But anyway, so she had already called the police, unfortunately. So, shortly after a Collier County Sheriff's Deputy arrived on scene, and guess who that was? Mm, I'll never guess it. Y'all never guess it. I know. I'm going to go ahead and—spoiler alert—it was Stephen Calkins. Ah! Yeah. We love when he shows up. Not. Not. Yeah. (sighs) So, Sal remembered that Calkins was very, very angry. He went and spoke with the woman who Felipe had hit, and then he came back and talked to the men. Sal was extremely afraid of getting in trouble. He hadn't been in the country very long, and he was only 18. Calkins cited Felipe for driving without a license or insurance and told him to get into the back of his police cruiser, and then Calkins drove him away. Worst thing that could ever happen is you getting in, anybody getting into the back of Stephen Calkins' police mm-hmm. car. Yeah. And him driving away. Yeah, especially if your skin is not white. Uh, 100%. Oh my God. Hey, you guys, have you ever wondered about the backstory, like, why we call our dad Miss KB? We have gotten this question so many times, we thought we'd release a little freebie for you. So we recorded a Patreon exclusive Q&A last year and be warned, we were outside and there was some wind Mm -hmm. where we answered this question and we want y'all to have the answer even if you're not a patron. Yeah, so be sure to head to killerqueens.link slash misskb, M-I-S-S-K-B and grab the audio. And don't forget, if you want the full Q&A or access to our entire catalog of over 450 patron-only episodes with all our regular episodes ad-free, you can join the Patreon for less than one and a half Starbucks drinks per month. I mean, that's a good deal. It's a steal. It is. It's a steal. You'll get four episodes per week from us all ad-free, plus anything fun we do like Q&As or literally anything else. So definitely check it out. And not every tier includes every episode. Yeah, we do have different tiers, so just be sure everything's listed out there when you check it out. But in the meantime, be sure to grab your free audio about Miss KB and how he came to be called that at killerqueens.link slash Miss KB. So Sal and Jorge assumed that Calkins was taking Felipe to jail, and one of the brothers called the Collier County Jail to find out about bailing Felipe out, but they didn't have any record of him. Their boss at the construction company told them that they'd wait a bit and call back. And maybe, you know, maybe he hadn't been processed yet. Maybe it was taking longer than Mm -hmm. expected. But they called back several hours later and there still was no record of Felipe and he wasn't at the jail. Oh my gosh. Sal and Jorge could not find their brother. They hadn't heard anything from him. So they contacted the Mexican consulate to assist them with a missing, um, filing a missing persons report and an internal complaint against Deputy Calkins the Sheriff's Department launched an internal investigation into Calkin's encounter with Felipe. And Calkin said that he changed his mind about taking Felipe to jail because, and get get this, he was so polite. He was so cooperative. He was like, you know what? Even though it's my job to, I don't know. Like, the, um, this is the rules when this thing happens. Right. And you definitely, because this is the thing too. And in the episode, That we watched on this, the brother because we actually hear from Sal, Salvador. He is like, you know what? Yeah, he he did break the law. He's an undocumented immigrant. Mm -hmm. He was driving without a license. Like those, he definitely committed crimes. Yeah, that's it's not a question. But Calkins, despite all of this, is like, you know what? Never mind. we are so damn nice. Yeah. I'm not going to take you. I'm not going to take you. No. He probably smelled good too or whatever. <sighs> right. He looked clean. Like, yeah, because their their worst nightmare about this encounter is that Felipe gets deported. Yeah. That's their worst nightmare, that he goes to jail and then he is no longer in the United States. Right. And it didn't even occur to them, which it should never and shouldn't happen. Of course happen, not. Yeah. That it could be way worse, that he could go missing for forever, it feels like. Guess what Calkin said he did? So he was like, I didn't I didn't want to leave Felipe at the scene because I didn't want him to drive his car illegally. So I just dropped him off. It's not a big deal and it's not sketchy. I dropped him off at the circle K about a mile from where he had picked him up. What is it with him in this circle K? I don't know. Strange things are afoot at this circle K. Right. Exactly. And he's very it's a very specific lie to keep using. Hmm. Yeah, because so, we know he didn't go to the Circle K. Like, right, there's video footage and he ain't there. And I just don't know how a police officer who should have a pretty basic knowledge of, <laughs> you know, how investigations work, that there are cameras typically around. You can canvas it and ask, did anybody see this person? Yeah. How he doesn't seem to know that? He just thinks everybody's going to take his word for it? (sighs) Felipe was never seen again, and Calkin's actions were deemed lawful and proper, and the complaint against him was closed. And that is the problem with an internal investigation. Yes, that is— Okay, this whole situation is so sus. Oh my God, it's completely sus. Totally sus, because— how is it? Okay, even if he says I dropped him off somewhere and he has never been seen again, you're still the last person that was with him and you didn't follow protocol. You went against what you were supposed to have done in that situation. Mm-hmm. You're not just supposed to be like, well, eh, that's fine, never and mind. Exactly, and it's not like Felipe or Terrence got into his car because they wanted to. Now, Calkins might say that Terrence did, but it's, yep. it, it's not true. Exactly. But Felipe, for sure, did not get in because he just wanted to. Like, once you're in police custody, which, like, you're saying, like, he was he was made to get in the back of the car. Yeah. He is now in police custody. So you would think the police would be like, we better fucking find this guy because he's on our watch. Like, mm-hmm. and just We are the, in charge of him. Yeah, just the sheer, like— Calkin's just being like he shows up with his uniform, his badge in his patrol car. You know, people see his name on his uniform. Mm-hmm. His brother's witnessed him getting into this car and then he's never seen again and he's like, "Yeah, what the fuck are they going to do to me? I'm a police officer." Right. That's exactly. I'll just what tell is. him I dropped him off somewhere and they'll believe it and they fucking do. And they did. Yep. Mhm. He knows the law doesn't apply to him. He knows that. Yep. It's awful. Mm-hmm. Mhm. So let's get to some theories. The first theory was that both men were running as fugitives from the law. Uh, Like we said, Felipe was an undocumented immigrant, which very likely could have resulted in him being sent back to Mexico. Uh, Terrence reportedly got into a few different fights while living in Tennessee. He had pled guilty to robbery in 1995 and was sentenced to 11 months in jail, including probation, according to court records. Marcia said that Terrence had spent 55 days in jail following a DUI charge and still owed child support to the mothers of his four children. After that, he had moved down to Florida in hopes of getting his life on track. Coincidentally, Terrence was set to appear in court on January 14th, two days after his disappearance in Tennessee for child support, and if he failed to show up, he would have had to pay a $5,000 fine and serve 60 days in jail. And Marcia said when he had to go to court for stuff, he went to court. hmm And he just told him, like, this is what's going on. Like, I'm I'm working. I'm trying here. This is what I have going on. I just feel like that's such a cop theory uh-huh. to wash their hands of it. Like, they probably just ran away. Right? That's, like, the go-to. Exactly. Yeah. Can't, can't change the fact that they probably ran away. It doesn't make sense for Terrence to skip. I mean, unless he, unless he is the kind of person who is always on the run, but he's not. He's right. has a roommate who he sees all the time. He has a job that he's very reliable with. He's got children that he loves dearly. He's got that relationship with his mother. He always talked to her. He's not the kind of person who she'd be like, yeah, I don't know. I haven't heard from Terrence in four years. Like, and it's been 19 years. Yeah. And that never would like, just in his past, that never happened. And he had these same troubles already going on. Why would he now? Na- and he already owes a bunch of money. Why would he tack another fucking $5,000 onto it? right I mean I know that some people do skip out on that but I'm just saying like his history doesn't show that that's what he's doing right and also I just I just don't believe it that's it's not what happened exactly on July 2nd 2004 the Collier County Sheriff's Department issued a statement saying that both men were wanted by law enforcement and that they may be purposely avoiding being found by law enforcement because again they ran away and also let's make them the the criminals right mm-hmm guess who is the criminal that we're not looking at refusing to look at not steve calkin uh, huh? he dropped him off at the circle k bitch yeah all right so then the second theory was that the two men had listen to this shit <laughs> the two men had just gotten lost in the everglades after being left there intentionally there are stories do you remember tori we looked into a I case know exactly, like this yes was it called starlight tours I cannot remember. Um, because this does happen. I know this was in Alaska and it was for Canada. Or Canada. It was some of the people. Well, there's a big divide in certain places. A lot of, um, what's the word? Prejudice, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, people being, yeah, very, like any indigenous people, The cops seemed to target, but they would pick up Indigenous men, women, and boys, and then leave them miles outside the city on sub-zero winter nights, leading to what's known as the Saskatoon freezing deaths. But they called them one hundred percent. Yeah, they called them uh, Starlight Tours. So they would pick up. Okay. Indigenous people on charges range it. It didn't. Ma- they wanted to just find something to pick them up for, right? So they'd be like, mm-hmm. "You're drunk in public," or "You're whatever." They'd pick them up. Of course, these people think they're going to jail. They'd drop them off somewhere without, sometimes without shoes and stuff like that, coats, anything. Yeah. Uh huh. And they would let them just walk, and then they would freeze to death. Mm-hmm. So this does happen. In, obviously in Southern Florida we're not talking about somebody freezing to death but what people are thinking is maybe somebody dropped them off in the Everglades. I mean but the the people who would have dropped them off would be Stephen Calkins Stephen Calkins yeah but I think the police the reason why this is a bullshit theory is because they're trying to spin it like somebody like, else picked them up right. And blah blah blah, yeah. So yeah, that that maybe they'd been dropped off in the Everglades, and then they just couldn't find their way back home, and they um, died somehow, right? By wildlife or drowning or something, got just getting lost, they're and, just you know, succumbing they're, to the be, elements, or uh, yeah. absolutely, yeah. But I feel like what if if this is a theory that they had at any point wanted to go with, or even. Entertained, it's a lot of blame shifting, and um, yeah, and I think there's there there may be some investigators who are like, well, yeah, maybe Stephen dropped him off there, sure, but it it felt very much like it, yeah, it was a uh, well, maybe that got picked up and then somebody dropped him off, or they just got lost trying to walk after he dropped him off, and they ended up, you know, like I don't know, all this stuff, yeah, but investigators were like, this probably. Didn't happen for a couple reasons. Like, Felipe and Terrence were both healthy young men. It's not like they were dropped off in the middle of a desert where there was nothing around. You know, like, they they probably could have made it far enough to get help if that's what had happened. Right. But they couldn't search the area, really, because it's such a massive area. I wonder if they do search that area, though, how many bodies they would find. Oh, 100%. Or uh, if they— bodies or remains, at least. I yeah, mean. yeah. Because, I mean, it, if it's an area that people know is not going to get searched, mm-hmm. you know? And then the third theory is the most obvious. They were murdered. Many of Calkins' fellow deputies were suspicious, especially after Terrence went missing, too. And this is what really pisses me off, because three months before this happens to Felipe, why did we not pull him off the streets? Mm-hmm. because again, this person was in his custody. Now with Terrence, he, like you said, he's saying, oh, I just gave him a ride. He begged me to give him a ride, begged me to give him a ride. He was not, he still was technically in police custody because he was in his car, but he's saying, I didn't take him into custody. Right. But you did with Felipe. He's mm-hmm. your responsibility. So he he went missing on your watch. Either you have something to do with it or you were neglectful or you were reckless or you, something no, he was not. No, he was not. Because Stephen Calkins looked at himself in the mirror and he said, you know what you're doing? What you're doing is proper and lawful. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's true. And they're at the Circle K. hmm Have you even thought of going to Circle K? I just can't, like, Terrence would not be missing if the police had done anything about Calkins and Felipe's disappearance. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just awful. Mm-hmm. Um, it did seem like one, one of the deputies even said most of us thought he killed both of them. And they did try to dig stuff up on him. They tried to find something on him. And of course, you know, there's no video footage from either Circle K of Calkins dropping either man off. In August of 2004, he was actually fired by the Collier County Sheriff's Department because they get, couldn't get him to fully cooperate with the agency to get the information they needed to locate Terrence and Felipe. What does that tell you? Right. In October of 2004, the grand jury invited Calkins to testify, but he refused. Can you do that? Yeah, can that be? Because the way they're saying it, they're like, hey, if you want to drop by and answer some questions, if not, no big deal. Yeah, hey, we're having a grand jury on Friday. Like, it's just very casual. Drop in, drop out, stop by, light refreshments and whatnot. And you want to come? He's like, "Mm, no. Yeah, they're— is a grand jury being called? Is that like how I make loose plans with people, and then I'm like, you know what? I don't think today's the day. I don't think I'm gonna people today. Can't do it. Is that how this works? Apparently, <laughs> because yeah, I've never heard of it as being invited, Mm-mm. and for somebody to refuse, and they were like, well, I mean we gave them the choice. Mm-hmm. We All tried. We I thought yeah. you had to testify in the grand jury. I don't even. <laughs> no wonder this. Stupid asshole thinks he's above the law because he fucking is. Exactly. He was never indicted because there was no evidence that a crime had actually occurred. I don't understand how. I mean Except the fact that he was in your car, seen getting into your car by multiple people, and now he's fucking gone. And the story has changed so much. And you said you dropped him off at Circle K and you were never at Circle K. Right. Well, and I know for a fact, because we've covered him, people have gotten Mm-hmm. arrested and tried for much less mm-hmm. than this guy has. But uh, they're going with all their, I think all, and Tyler Perry says it too, I think. They're like, no body, no crime. That's it. Yes, yeah. If we don't have a body. We do not have a crime. Case closed. That's it. I mean, I get that it's a, it's more difficult, but nobody, crimes are tried all the time. Maybe not all mm-hmm. the time, but they are tried. Well, but again, I can't stress this enough. This is 18, 19 years later. Yeah. Exactly. I know there's a statute of limitations on that kind of thing if they have to be missing for what, seven, ten years, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember how okay, much well, but yeah, past that. Yeah, they can be declared legally dead. And there's no evidence that they're still alive. Mm-hmm. They've never surfaced, they've never contacted anybody, they've never used any bank accounts, they've never used their phones again, they've never been spotted. That like all these things. Yeah, exactly. In January of 2016, Calkins sold his house in Naples and moved to Iowa. The new owners of Calkins' former home gave police full permission to search the residence without a warrant, and they tore that house and yard up. They were looking for any evidence of foul play, even digging up freshly poured concrete in the backyard. Despite not finding anything, this signified how convinced the sheriff's department was that Calkins had murdered Felipe and Terrence. In December of 2020, Calkins was forced to be deposed as part of a civil suit against him and he again talks about, you know, how he didn't take either man to jail because they both seem like just really nice guys. And when asked, because if you watch the show that we've been talking about, if you watch it, there's, I guess, excerpts, pieces from this civil suit um, from the deposition and he Whoever is deposing him is like, you do realize that, and he hands him uh, his, the transcripts or whatever, his report that he made something like that. And he's like, you know, we're looking for these men to, like, there's a mother who is actively looking for her son. We want to help her. Do you think that, is that correct? Like, do you want to help her find her son or something like that? And he's like, he just sits there, doesn't say anything. And he's like, do you, do you want to help her find her son? Crickets, nothing. Do you want to help her find her son? And he's like, Oh, sorry, I've just I'm I'm just reading it because I I don't remember what was it. I mean, this is 17 years ago. So I gotta read it. I just he's just so smug and so yuck. Uh-huh. And he's like, You pushing me is not gonna help anything. Yeah. Don't push me. Like well and he's like you know this is what 17 years later or whatever and he's like i'm doing my best to help here i'm trying to remember and you're pushing me i guess that calkins has never been in an interview or investigation interrogation whatever you would exactly if he was on the other side of that he'd be like you did it yeah exactly yeah fuck this guy yeah Unfortunately, the wrongful death suit was not allowed to move forward either. The court-appointed arbitrators said there just wasn't enough evidence to bring forth the case. And Calkins is currently living as a free man in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, and there have been no developments in the search for Felipe Santos or Terrence Williams. <sighs> Rough stuff. hmm What do you do? Exactly. How do you, what are you? Uh And I feel like the only message that you could receive from all of this as a family member of either of these two men is no one cares about them. Exactly. It's not true. Mm -mm. But that's what it feels like from a lot of different angles. Yeah. Oh, well. I'm sure that there are people because, you know, new sheriffs come in, new captains, you know, all kinds of stuff that reopen cases all the time. I don't know what they're working on behind the scenes. And, you know, we wouldn't know until we yeah. probably found something. But um, it's just, how else can you take it, you know? Right. Exactly, and obviously he chose these victims because he believed that nobody cared, mm-hmm. and again he was very wrong. But at the same time, he also knew that he would—I mean, people were just going to believe him over them mm-hmm. and over their families and over over all the witnesses. That there were so many witnesses. I know. And so much lack of evidence that he was not, that his story doesn't check out. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. evidence points to you're a freaking liar. Exactly. And like you said, I mean, not that it's right, but there have been so many people arrested for and convicted unless... Mm-hmm. I genuinely feel like if things were different and Stephen Calkins was just a regular Joe Schmo guy, and they wanted to get him bad enough, they could. 100%. So. Yep. That's it. Um, we would all, of course, always love to hear what you guys think about it. Yeah. You know, like we said in the beginning, everybody's going to have a different opinion. So mm-hmm. if, if you see something that we don't see, let us know. But yeah, definitely. this is just a tough case because I don't like unsolved ones um, anyway. And this one just really grinds my gears. I cannot... Yep. We cannot even with this one. No. Mm-mm. It's so sus. It's I, totally uh, sus. It's uh, almost as sus as Ben thinks you are. Oh, my God. You're pretty sus. I am not sus. Okay. Well, Bruh. 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 Jesse started saying yo now. Like, when he sees the toy ones, he's like, yo, look at this toy. Yo. I need that. I'm like, oh, my God. Yo. I still remember when he was playing with Miss KB… And I'm just, I'm in the other, I'm in the kitchen there in the playroom and I can hear him go, not the new invention. <laughs> it reminded me of not the littlest hobo. So funny. I know, it's so cute. All <sighs> right. But anyway, yeah, that's it. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We love you and we hope we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this case. Connect with us on Instagram or Facebook to continue the conversation. Thanks for listening, and we will meet you back here next week. Bye! The theme song for the show is created and composed by Stephen Toby. You can find more of Stephen's work on SoundCloud. Our logo was created by Sloane Williams of Sophisticated Crayon. You can find more of her work on Etsy. Visit us at KillerQueensPodcast.com for merch and other info about the show.